0: It's non-negotiable for me that she's pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Not just that she goes to church, not just that she believes, but that she's actively pursuing relationship with Jesus, right? And so I think, you know, when you can read the Bible and you can hear these things, or you can see like godly men and women in the Bible, and you can say like, "I want somebody like that," I think that that's really good indicators for you. And I think that's really good things to kind of like come around. Am I in love with God enough to say like, these are the characteristics I desire? What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Beyond the Surface. My name is Ryan, and here with my friend Ezra, we have meaningful, God-centered conversations about topics that we feel are most relevant for students and young adults today. Today's episode is part two of our two-part little series here that we are doing on singleness. In part one, Ezra and I talked all about heartbreak and our relationships and breakups in the past. And then in today's episode, we talk about the healing that comes with a time of purposeful singleness and how that purposeful singleness can prepare us for our future relationships. We think that this episode is super great and we can't wait for you all to hear it. If you haven't heard episode one, we'd encourage you to go back and check that out. We'd also really appreciate it if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or Spotify. If you enjoy this episode or found it encouraging, we would love for you to share it with a friend. But now, without further ado, let's hop on into the conversation.
1: I want to kind of get on, um, I want to kind of move into our next topic, which is really similar, which is uh, about singleness. And we we're kind of revisiting this topic. We talked about it way back in season one, and I just think this is such a potent topic for us as young adults. Everybody has been single in their life. Even if you're married now, you were once single. And I um I just think this is just such an important topic to hit on. But first I want to um kind of ask the question of somebody I want to kind of ask if somebody has uh just broken up with somebody like you and I, and we have or and they have uh, you know, just now re-entered singleness and they're kind of feeling the effects, and it's kind of like you're jumping into a cold pool after being in that hot tub and you're like, it takes a minute to just to get used to it. What are just some practical do's and don'ts? What are just some things that someone can do and things that they should avoid doing just to get reacclimated to this season of being single?
0: This is a really good question. And I think this will help with kind of like what we were talking about in the past episode, which we didn't get into as much of, you know, the heartache. But this will help with the healing. Um, and I, I hope that this can, anybody that's dealing with this, this will help expedite it. But I also think that if you take this seriously, if you were to ever come out of another breakup, you know, hopefully not. Hopefully the next person you find is your person forever. But if you are to come out of another breakup, hopefully it's not something that's going to crush you or break you or anything like that because you've taken good steps um, here. So I think first and foremost, obviously like I did, I think that you should press into your relationship with the Lord. You're going to have more time. And I think that all of my tips basically come down to how to manage that time. But I think first and foremost, you should spend a little bit more time in your relationship with the Lord and kind of continue to grow your foundation and grow that relationship with Him and allow Him to begin your life and allow Him to heal you and um, to kind of make you whole again, And which hopefully you're coming from the mindset that you're always whole in Him. um, But that's what I want you to eventually see from that. And then number two, uh, if you're not doing a good job of this already, then I would say it's a good time to ramp this up, and this would be like, you'll find this anywhere, secular views of how to deal with breakups and stuff like that, but start taking care of yourself a little bit better. So maybe you do do a good job, but now maybe instead of getting a haircut every six weeks, you move it up to every month. Or maybe you start going to the gym now, you know, et cetera. Maybe you start eating a little bit better, uh, maybe you say you're going to shave once a week instead of just when people tell you that it starts to get scruffy. You I know. feel like you're just roasting me right now, right across no, the table. No, 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 I'm, no, no, I'm, no, kidding, no, no. I'm, I'm not roasting you. Kidding. Um, but I think, but I, I do think that all of those things are like just good to help put you in a mental headspace of like, I'm taking care of me again. Like it's time to focus on me and me solely. Um, Not that I want you to be selfish or like conceited or anything, but coming out of a breakup, like it is important to heal. And so in order to do that, you do, you have to spend time with the Lord and you have to spend some time taking care of yourself. And then I would say another good thing to do would be hopefully you have good friends around you and you can kind of press into them and spend a little bit more time with them and continue to um, build or maybe repair those relationships if you kind of neglected them because you were spending so much time with your significant other. But if you don't have a super solid friend group or um, whatever, maybe you do and they're just super busy and and have significant others and jobs, um, then I would say find a new hobby or pick up one of your hobbies. Um, Pick up the amount of time that you spend in it. Just so that especially the first several weeks, the first couple months coming out of a breakup, like you're just going to be bored. So fill that time so you're not just sitting there like, man, I wish I was with so and so, you know, like that's just that's not good. So if you can fill your time with good, healthy, positive things, I think that that's that's super good and super helpful. So that would be my advice for right fresh out of the breakup, kind of how to heal and what to do to kind of set yourself up for a good
1: time of singleness. I have a very strange piece of advice. I never would have imagined I would ever give this advice uh, concerning breakup. But I actually want to encourage you to laugh and to be joyful and to be thankful and to choose joy. And now there's a reason why I say laughter. There's a clinical and a biblical reason for doing so. So they say that with any sort of pain and even trauma in your life, uh, you're going to remember it. Like, there's just no way around it. Your your brain is just going to remember it and it's going to recall the memories for a long time. And it's, it takes a while for you to, like, for it to really fizzle out. And it really never does, actually. You're always going to remember whatever painful thing that you went through. Like, then the sooner you accept that fact, um, the better it you'll be when you think back on it. It's going to happen. You're going to find yourself remembering it and thinking back to it. And you, you know, don't get frustrated with yourself. That's like, man, why am I still thinking about that thing? Again, it's just how your brain operates, it's just how it does. You spent so much time with this person. So you're gonna be remembering it and you're gonna pass by that place and remember that when you two went, used to go there. So it's just gonna happen. So give yourself some grace and don't be frustrated that you remember it. I bring this up because if you're going to remember it and you you will, you might as well think positively. You might as well choose to think of the positive things and not the negative. Don't dwell in bitterness. Don't dwell in negativity. Now, this is counterculture. This is not what the world would say. The world would tell you that you need to dwell on all the bad things and all the negativity and everything that led to the breakup. Because if you dwell on all the positive things, then you're going to find yourself missing them and wishing you could get back together. But if you dwell on the negative, then you're going to feel like firmed and you're going to feel satisfied that, yes, I'm out of that toxic relationship. And my question for you is, how is that working out for you? The more you dwell on bitterness and negativity, the more you become a negative and bitter person. You're going to find yourself insecure and moody and needy and lashing out at your friends. And whatever you dwell in of your previous relationship is what you're going to bring into your next one. Listen, you've already broken up with them, it's already done. So there's no point in dwelling in all the negative anyway. It already happened, you know? Now, that doesn't mean that when you dwell on the positive, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to to miss them or that you're going to long to be with them again. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Again, you, you broke up with them for a reason, you know, or maybe they broke up with you. I don't know what your story is. But again, the relationship is over. There's no going back. But you might as well think positively. And again, you might as well laugh about it. When I say laugh, I don't mean in a cynical like, huh, man, I'm glad to be out of that terrible thing or laughing at them and, you know, making fun of them. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Because again, that's not, you know, how Christ would do it. That's not a, a sign of a, of a characteristic of Jesus when I say laughter, I'm talking like, think back, because you're going to think back to it, you're going to remember it. So you might as well trigger intentionally trigger some funny memories of your relationship. And you might as well turn that into a moment of joy and laughter. And the Bible says uh, in Proverbs that uh, a merry heart or laughter is like good medicine. And Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I was just I just remembered how important joy is after our church did a great series on the power of joy in our lives and the power of laughter. And I'm just going to share just a quick little story as an example of something that I do whenever I'm feeling down and I'm thinking back on the relationship. This is just one of my, one of the funniest things that has ever happened. uh, And hopefully it brings you some joy as well. But what happened was, uh, in our relationship we had kind of had an inside joke about how everywhere we went there was we always ran into somebody we knew we could never get away like alone by ourselves we always found somebody whether it was um whether it was like from our church or whether it was from uh, our d- different circle of friends we always just ran into somebody and it was like an inside joke of oh like god's always sending a chaperone our way and god's always got our eye on us and um so one day we decided, hey, we're going to go somewhere kind of far away. We're going to go to like a like a nice little restaurant and we're going to dress up even too. And this is really far away. No one's going to find us there. And I was um leaving to go pick her up. And I noticed my parents were also leaving as well. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going out as well. I'm like, oh, so are we. And I never actually confirmed with them where they were going. Uh, so I went and I picked her up and um, we decided, uh, yeah, we drove all the way down there. We actually crossed a state line. We were We were far away. We went kind of to this Amish house. Uh, where they're serving some great food. And we put our names in and, you know, there was a little bit of a wait and it's a nice little gift shop. So we're walking around, having fun, being young and stupid and turn the corner and there are my parents. And, you know, like a Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme, like that's how it felt. Like we were just like, man, what are you doing here? And it was so awkward and it was so funny. And we laughed about it and joked about it for the rest of the night. And to this day, I just smile and I laugh and it just brings me so much joy. And it helps me get through the hardship and the heartache. And whenever I'm feeling down, whenever my emotions are all over the place, I just laugh and I smile. And it gives me strength to get through these hard moments. So I, I really encourage you to choose joy and to choose laughter. Even if you have come out of a kind of a serious and traumatic situation where you don't really have the option to remember anything happy because there was, wasn't anything happy, you still have the option to choose joy. You know, so I would encourage you choose joy. Thank God. Rejoice. Be grateful for who you are. Be grateful that you're not where you used to be and that God is taking you where you need to be.
0: Yeah, that's super, super good. Laughter is the best medicine, right? So we've talked on the show before uh, about the importance of singleness in terms of, you know, Paul says it's a gift so that we can worry about being pleasing to the Lord, uh, which definitely that's something that we need to do while we're being single. We need to find ourselves and find our identity in the Lord. um, And we really need to kind of strengthen that. And that's kind of what we've hit on on the show before. But now I want to speak to the people who are single and who are really desiring relationship. And I think that you can be single, you can be secure, you can have a really good foundation in God and really be like longing for that relationship still. I'm not necessarily in that boat. I'm kind of in the boat of like, I'm very content right now. I, If I had to be single for the rest of my life, I would be very okay with that. But a relationship is something that I do want at some point. And so when the right person comes along and it's the right time, you know, that's something that I want. But right now, and granted, I've got a lot of, things in front of me right now. I've got a lot of things on my plate so that's probably part of it you know but like right now I'm very content but I know that I have friends, I have family who uh, they're single but they're really longing for that relationship and I think that one of the greatest benefits of um, a time of like devoted singleness to God is we can really prepare ourselves for that future relationship and we can determine who we want to Do life with and like what kind of person, and we can be picky then. And then it also will just prepare us to live out like a full, healthy, God centered, God focused, God glorifying relationship. So let's just spend the last few minutes of this episode talking about how in our singleness, we can prepare ourselves for our future relationship and how
1: that preparation phase should allow us and help us to stay patient while we wait preparation is huge and there's so much you can do in singleness that you just don't have the ability to do when you're in a relationship. And again, it's not that relationships are bad, you know, marriage and relationships are a gift, but again, so is singleness as Paul describes. I think the number one problem is when people assume that there is a problem. Like you have to embrace the fact that there is nothing wrong in your singleness. There is nothing wrong with you not being in a relationship. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not behind. You're not behind and you're not, like you're not less than just because your relationship status is single. It's just that you're just in that season of life and that's just where God uh, has you placed right now. But that doesn't mean there's, there's a problem. When you start to panic and when you start to worry that there's something wrong with me and I need to start doing this and that, to get into a relationship and to rush into one, that's where people, again, make these haphazard decisions and they start to really compromise and they forget who they are. So the number one thing is just knowing that you are enough and that there is not a problem. That doesn't mean that you don't better yourself. That doesn't mean that you don't work on yourself in the areas that you need to grow in. But that does mean that you know that you are enough in Christ Jesus, that God sees you as his child and that you are more than enough. And there's nothing uh, you need to do to earn his love. And his love is the only thing that truly satisfies you. So I think really pressing into that, pressing into your walk with the Lord and remembering that there's nothing wrong with you. And once you start to do that, and once you start to find your security and your confidence in Christ, I'm telling you, there's something about security and there's something about confidence that is literally attractive. It is, it is attractive to the eye. And people are attracted by your boldness and by your courage uh, and by your ability to step up as a leader and to lead your own life and to lead other people and to pour into people and to be the encourager. Uh, that is attractive. Uh, so all knowing your confidence and knowing your identity in Christ uh, and knowing that you are enough and that there's nothing wrong with you, that is the first place you need to start. You don't do anything else until you realize this
0: that's gonna allow you to be patient for sure and just, and like I said, be picky. For me, I have had a couple conversations with people where they've, it's it it kind of felt very high school to me, but these were actually like recent conversations that I had with people asking me what they thought about them maybe asking somebody else out. Like I was friends with both of these people and they said, oh, I'm interested in so-and-so, you know her. Uh, or you know him, what do you think? And my response to these people was the same, and I, five years ago, three years ago, I would not have responded like this to these people, but I said, okay, why don't you tell me what you like about them? And so they listed off a few things, and the things that they listed off were kind of some generic things that I think everybody could say that they like, hopefully everybody can say they like about whoever their crush is. They're easy to talk to. They're cute and you know, I really like spending time with them. It was like three things. There were some more things that they tossed in there. But I said, "Okay, those are great and I hope that, you know, your your future spouse has those in them." But you didn't list out like anything that the Bible talks about. And so I encouraged them to go spend some time in Proverbs and just read about some of the things that God talks about in wise men and in women who fear him. And my advice to them was, when you can read that and you can feel in your heart that you actually desire those characteristics, not that like you read that and you know it's in the Bible, so you know you should want those things, but when you actually start to want those things, like when you want a woman who works with her hands, when you want a woman who puts, you know, it, it says works with her hands and puts food on the table for her family, make sure that her kids are clothed, when you start to want those things, when you start to you know, want a woman who fears the Lord because, you know, you know that beauty is vain and or charm is vain and beauty is fleeting, right? Like when you start to want a woman who's like got a strong relationship with God and who's got a good work ethic and who, you know, has moral and character, that that is when you can start to feel good about that person that you want to ask out. And that's when you can start to feel that you're in a good spot to enter in a relationship with somebody else when those are truly the things that you desire. And that was like one of the biggest realizations I had to come to in my singleness journey is just that for so long, my desires in terms of future partners have like solely been physical or like solely been like, I want somebody athletic because I really like sports, you know, things like that. Whereas when I really started to spend time with God and like really started to contemplate like my singleness and the purpose of my singleness and then the purpose of a future relationship for me, I started to think about those things more seriously. And now it's a non-negotiable for me that my future, you know, my next girlfriend, my next, the next girl I'm interested in, it's non-negotiable for me that she's pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Not just that she goes to church, not just that she believes, but that she's actively pursuing relationship with Jesus. Right. And so I think, you know, when you can read the Bible and you can hear these things or you can see like godly men and women in the Bible and you can say like, I want somebody like that. I think that that's really good indicators for you. And I think that's really good things to kind of like come around. Am I in love with God enough to say these are the characteristics I desire versus just kind of what the world would look at somebody and say like, yeah, they're a desire person.
1: Think back to the law of attraction that John Maxwell so uh, fervently describes. The law of attraction basically states that you attract not who you want, but who you are. So that means that if you're stubborn, you attract stubbornness. If you're stubborn, you attract stubbornness. If you attract greed, you, or if you are greedy, then you attract greed. If you are faithful, you attract faithfulness. If you are loving and you are pure, you attract love and purity. Uh, if you are hardworking, you attract people with a strong work ethic. So some people I meet, they talk about how people have liked them and people have approached them and asked them out or have uh, shown interest towards them. And they're just not interested in the people uh, who are coming towards them. And I'm not talking about the creeps, okay? Like, if you're attracting a bunch of creeps, that does not make you a creep, okay? That's a, you know, there's weird people out there. But like some people, like, and this could be also said, not just for romantic relationships, but just for your friends as well, and the people who you surround yourself with. And you're not happy With the people whom you're around and i think it's a reflection of who you are with the people you are you that are coming to you and the people who you are attracting the type of vibe you're putting out and the type of character uh, that you are displaying that is attractive to a certain person who exemplifies that same character so if you're not liking who you're surrounded by or who is coming to you or is showing attraction to you you gotta start with yourself find out who the person like you said you know really look into the bible really dig into proverbs and really you know have those non-negotiables and find out who is the type of person who you want to be with and who's the type of person that you want to date and perhaps marry find out their character and really look into like okay if i'm if i want a person who is hard working then what are the kind of the some of the things that they would do and then once you know that be that person be the person you want to marry be the person you want to date be the person who is going to be the first person to step up and lead the way, who's going to be the first person to volunteer to clean this up, the first person who is going to encourage that person when no one else would, the first person who is going to speak the truth when no one else would. Be that person. And that person who you is also doing the same thing, you two are going to find one another. God has ways of intersecting your paths and of, of just bringing you together. Honestly, there is no 100% guarantee that you're going to get married just because you love Jesus. But I tell you what, if you start by looking in yourself and you start by pursuing Jesus by yourself and you really find your confidence and your security in him and you be the person you want to uh, marry you, or if you be the person whom you want to marry, then I tell you what, God has amazing ways of bringing uh, you together with somebody who meets those qualifications that you desire. 100%, 100%, and
0: then the last kind of thing I'll, I'll say before we wrap up here too is just that I think in, in your singleness, uh, that's a good time, I, I think that's the time to determine what kind of relationship you want to have, determine what your boundaries are going to be going into the next relationship, determine kind of some things that, that you want to look at in terms of like evaluating the other person and how you want to go about doing that. So I know for me, it's really important that the next time I enter into a relationship with somebody that I spend more time with their friends and she spends more time with my friends. Because that was kind of one of the things that was lacking in my previous relationships was time for me to get to know the people that she surrounds herself with and vice versa. And then also for the people that I trust in my life to kind of evaluate not just her as a person, but also how we fit together. You know, So that was just like one area that I determined obviously in my singleness, that's something that I want to take more seriously in my next relationship. Um, And there are other things, like I said, like physical boundaries, boundaries with time, uh, things like that, I've kind of contemplated. But if you don't have like a good foundation and a good idea of those things, and you just try to wing it and figure it out, once you get into the relationship, you're starting a step behind and you're just opening up all kinds of doors for, you know, bad things to happen. So I think, again, and, you know, if you're really trying to date on purpose and for a purpose and for a godly purpose, um, I think that kind of all those things should be dictated by your relationship with God. So just in your singleness, really make sure that you're being intentional with your time with God and you're making sure that you stay close to Him. And then when you think about, you know, a future relationship, it is really important to think about some of those things.
1: What are the two things that you are looking for in a relationship and the, the two most important things? That you're looking for, uh, perhaps in a girl to whom you want to date. Yeah, that's a good question. So, first and foremost, like I said, the like most
0: non-negotiable thing for me is that it's somebody who is actively pursuing a relationship with Jesus. You know, I want somebody who spends private time with Him. If they volunteer in the church. that's bonus points, you know, et cetera, things like that. But somebody who who it's more than just show up to church on Sundays. You know, try not to swear. Or, you know, things like that. It's somebody who is really seeking relationship with Jesus, like that is the most attractive thing to me. Um, and then I would say another thing for me would be flexibility, just in the career that I want to go into um, and that I'm, I'm going to go into. My schedule is not going to be dictated by me a whole lot coming up, especially. Um, I'm going to have to move a couple of times. And again, like that's not going to be dictated by me. So I just need somebody who's very flexible and patient and understanding. And so I guess those would kind of be character traits that I would be looking for
1: in a future spouse. What about you, Ezra? I think for me, and by the way, this is by no means uh, uh, me and Ryan putting out our resume on the table, you know, so don't anyone of you sliding into our DMs after this. I think for me, the number one thing, and this is a, a strange one, but... I need to see her with a regular habit of giving and tithing to God's house. And this actually kills a lot of birds in one stone, in my opinion, because you don't tithe unless you really love the Lord and you really trust him. You don't tithe unless you love the local church and you want to be in God's house, which is something that's very important to me. I can't tell you the number of people who I've come across who love the Lord and who are really devoted to him, but are not passionate about the local church and about building God's church. Uh, and that's something that is super important to me. I don't question their faith, but it's just that that's a non-negotiable for me. Uh, and that comes through with tithing. Again, you don't tithe. Like no one is crazy enough to actually open up their their wallet and give towards a church unless they love the Lord and they love that church. Uh, so I mean, and that another thing too is uh, that just displays their, their utmost trust and their dependence on the Lord. Uh, so I think that's a huge thing for me is just trusting in Jesus um in my finances, just in every step of my life uh and just being able to trust in things that I cannot see so tithing it just kind of encompasses all of that uh so tithing is is number one, and number two, I want her to be like I want her to be like me just being the first person to volunteer to stand up and to raise my hand and to do something, whether it's washing the dishes or whether it is going and helping so and so or whether it is just leading the charge uh, in something and just going and not being afraid to walk out there alone and to to help somebody or whether it's, you know, being the only person to talk with that one person uh, who's been coming and nobody else talks to and really trying their hardest to build a relationship with them, even though they don't seem interested in talking and, you know, really reaching that one apart from the 99. And again, I just, I I want her, it's kind of hard to explain, but like, a girl who is not afraid to be seen as the weird one and to be seen as almost the overly spiritual and religious one, but is not afraid to go out alone into the unknown and to do something where no one else might be there or no one else is there right now. And maybe she's leading the way and other people will follow her because they're seeing they're seeing her uh, confidence and her willingness and her boldness to go out there. So that that's kind of vague, but that encompasses just a character that I'm looking for. And I think that's uh, ultimately who Jesus was. Jesus was somebody who would go into the unknown and who go into places And he would talk to people whom nobody else wanted to associate with. And he would go into the darkest of places to meet us where we were at and to bring us out of that. And that's kind of the type of girl who I'm looking for.
0: Awesome. That's, uh, That's high standards, Ezra. No, that's good. But just to kind of recap and then close us out for these last two episodes, relationships can be hard. They can hurt us. But there is healing. And healing comes through God and through his word and just kind of what he can do in us and so you know we've got to press into that and our singleness is a great time where we can be healed by God where we can grow closer to him where we can spend some time on ourselves and then where we can really determine what kind of relationships we want to have going forward and who we want to have those relationships with so that we can be as honoring and glorifying to God as possible. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here with us. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. Can't wait to see you back here on Thursday for our next episode.